I, I really empathized with a lot of the moms that, you know, just had new babies, um, you know, during that time. Cause it's, it's intense. No one can prepare you for what motherhood is. This is Mommy's Happy Hour. I'm Hiba Shanto. I didn't expect it, but motherhood is the most challenging thing I've done to date. After a long struggle with infertility, feeling isolated from friends of the community, I had my twins at the age of 41. And the advice I got from people was always one extreme or the other. So here we are, two and a half years later, and I'm curious to figure out what advice, what theories have worked for mothers catch up with them, and occasionally vent about the things we deal with daily. Like you'll hear with my guest today, Annalena Marks, who's the founder of Full Feedings. She's a mother of three. Her adorable daughter, Frankie, turns five this year, while her twin boys, Tommy and Teddy, are two years old and couldn't be more different. Well, twins, it's like you have amnesia. You have amnesia from birth, which you're like, all of a sudden you're like, I'd do that again. In the moment, you're like, I'm never doing that again. And then like... <laughs> I, was telling my, I was trying to convince my husband that we should have another set of twins. And he's like, not with me or not. Anne runs a baby sleep consulting service, Full Feedings. And let me tell you from experience, getting your baby to consistently sleep through the night is invaluable. And through her program, she helps mothers establish a daily routine for feed cycles and sleep cycles. For me personally, getting my twins to sleep consistently through the night at four months old was a complete game changer. I was finally able to sleep because trying to meet my baby's needs on little to no sleep was so fucking tough. People don't talk about that. People don't talk about anything. I know they don't. And they lie. I'm like, that's not true. And like, oh, you're poor child. I mean, I will tell you my best friend, she, and I believe her, she's like, her daughter was potty trained at two night and day. My daughter, Frankie, we didn't push her. She probably did it on her own around three. Boys are later. Sometimes it's four for boys. I'm kind of inclined to let them do it on their own. Any mom advice? I am like, no judgment. There's no set rules. Like no one gives a fuck. Your kid's going to be potty trained by the time they go to kindergarten. It's fine. And like, just not to stress about it. Cause there's so much, I, I do feel like in the mom communities and stuff, which I love that you're like doing this podcast, but like, there's so much like not true information. You're like, that is just not even, and it's not even good advice. Like, like you want to get like sound advice. Like why would you give someone advice that's going to make someone feel bad about, you know, something they can't control. Like you can't control when your kid fucking potty trains. I wish I had known about full feedings when I was sleep training my twins and being torn on whether or not I should let them cry it out. It's a term, by the way, abbreviation CIO. It's what I like to call mommy jargon, which these days seems to be what my vocabulary is mostly comprised of. So naturally I wanted to have her on the show and boy, was it fun. We spoke about everything from experiences as mothers to how she's raising three kids, co-parenting with her soon to be ex-husband, her commitment to mothers with full feedings while working as a full-time model. And don't even get me started on her kick-ass fitness regimen that keeps her looking more fit and youthful than she ever has. We also talked about finding that balance between what you want, what your kids need, where your partner fits in, and how you suddenly find yourself in the middle of some serious motherly instincts. 
you do have this realization when you become a mom, you're like, men are not, first of all, there is this instinct as a woman to like care for them. You don't, I didn't want anyone touching my kids. My twins, I was different because I knew, but like my daughter, I was like, somebody like picked up her car seat once. I was like, uh, excuse me, like stop, like do not touch her. You know, you get this weird thing. And then I breastfed my daughter for a year. I did my twins were different because they were in the NICU. So I couldn't really do that. But with my daughter, you know, but there was this thing of like, I wanted my ex to help, but like, I didn't know I was breastfeeding her. And like, there was really, I'm like, so what are you going to just like get up and fucking stare at me while I feed her? Which is kind of what I wanted. But like, logically as an adult person, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah. I would go through this like push pull of like, you're not fucking doing anything. I'm doing everything but then don't fucking do anything, but I'm doing it. it. It was like this weird. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And you, and it's hard and it takes, I think men don't really understand it either because we're putting this like, and there's this whole thing of like, I want you to like, know what I like intuitively. I need you to know what I fucking need right now and just do it, but do it the way I want it done. And if you fuck it up, I'm going to totally chew your head off. You know, it's like yeah. this whole weird dynamic. I mean, Hopefully one day my ex and I can like laugh about this. We're just like not in this place now, but like that is the dynamic of motherhood really. And, you know, I did have a little help at night. Like I had a doula, like that would come like every like other night for me, I would have taken a second mortgage out on my house to have someone just like every third night to that I could actually close my eyes and turn my brain off, which is very hard as a mom to do and not think about like, are they breathing? like what the hell is going to happen to these children, you know, but it's a stressful time. I mean, I'm not surprised. My marriage was not great before my twins and I'm not surprised that it, you know, kind of was, uh, that, that having more children kind of pushed it over because with multiples, like everyone, no one's really getting a break. Like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, we don't get a break. Like, Never. no, but, like the husband has to, like, I'm like, you have to help me right now. Like I, you know, I tried to do, and that's what I coach a lot of my like tw multiple moms of multiples on is like, I knew I had to do it. Like in the NICU, I would be like, no, I don't like, I have to figure out how to do this. So like, thank you. But like, I'll change their diapers right now. Like I was, I'm a very like hands-on jump right in. Like I have to figure out how I'm going to do this by myself. Everyone was like, help, help, help. I'm like, no, I have to figure out how to take care of three kids alone because I, otherwise I'll never get a break. I, and then I think of like moms, like during COVID, I mean, I'm sure you thought the same thing, but like, imagine how, if you had a baby and you did have that postpartum, like period after having the baby during COVID, I would have like, yeah, I don't know what would have happened. It's just, I, I really empathized with a lot of the moms that, you know, just had new babies, um, you know, during that time. Cause it's, it's intense. No one tells you and you can't prepare. Like no one can prepare you for what motherhood is. It's true because I think before I had the kids, I kept on hearing all this negative stuff about certain things. It, it's weird here. People are like very, they don't give you that honest opinion, but at the same time, they don't want, they don't like to see you too optimistic either. So if you're optimistic and you're happy, they're like, Oh, you don't know anything. Wait until you wait until the shit hits the fan. You're going to be miserable. You have to find the balance between like, I'm very much like, 
if people genuinely ask me, like even birth alone, like I don't know if you had a C, I actually delivered my twins vaginally and had my daughter vaginally. No, I had a C-section. Yeah, but what I try to like bring to like the world is like a real version that's not like negative, meaning like I'm going to be honest, which like I feel like that's what you're trying to do with this podcast as well. Exactly. Like bringing realness, like, but without totally terrifying someone being supportive of women like listen it's normal like you don't know what your postpartum is going to look like i don't because it's hormonal like there's like hormonal things going on that you can't really control um and there's a lot of factors that go into it like some people have babies that are very good from birth you know i don't know if you breastfed but like my daughter breastfed easily but my sons i just couldn't do it it was too much with being born early and you know, they don't, people don't talk about like the guilt and like the, the self-imposed guilt. Like I felt so guilty when I stopped pumping for my sons, especially because my daughter had breastfed for a year and I felt like I'm not doing the same for all my kids. Um, and the guilt that came along with that, that I just felt like a failure. I felt like, oh, I should be able to do all of this, you know? You know what I think is the most difficult part about becoming a mother for me was you have this certain ideal in your mind. It's not, it doesn't go as you expect it to go. So for like the breastfeeding, for me, it was like, yeah, I'll breast for my kids until they're a year old. It didn't even occur to me that I wouldn't be able to. Right. So I didn't have enough breast milk. So, but I, I supplemented from the very beginning with formula, but I just, and then after that, it turned into after six weeks, I barely had any pumping for, I was miserable pumping. Oh, it's the worst. Oh my God, it's I could run my When I stopped pumping, I was like, I'm running this thing over with my car. I don't even care. The noise. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I try to be super supportive, especially with like full feedings and stuff of just like, first of all, people lie. That's number one. Like I used to have friends that I'd like, they'd be like, I'm exclusively breastfeeding. And they'd be like, I'd be like, well, why is there a thing of formula on your like, like kitchen counter? You know, just people are not, I don't know if it's just this external pressure that they feel like they're, they don't want to feel like they're failing, but I'm like, the truth of it is like, you need to like, there's this whole campaign now, like fed is best. Like you have to feed your child, like, and your child's going to be okay. Whether they are breastfed, bottle fed, you know, exclusively breast milk, exclusively formula, a mixture. Like you just want to make sure your baby's needs are met. And it doesn't really matter what that looks like. And so many of those things, I think, like the best thing to like pass on to new moms is like so many of these things are out of our control. Like it doesn't, you can't kill yourself. Like I always consult moms. I'm just like, you have to remember that like you're a massive part of the equation of like taking care of these children. Like if you're not having good self-care, if you're killing yourself, like some of these moms, I like have to be careful about what I say, but like a lot of like the lactation people are like telling these moms to like get up in the middle of the night and pump when their baby's sleeping so that they keep their supply up. And I'm like, okay, I understand the, the theory behind that, but like sleep is way more important than breast milk, honestly. Like if you look at human needs of at, at mental health, development, learning, you know, everything, sleep supersedes breast milk it, 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 all day long. We know there's no, you know, creature on earth that doesn't need to sleep when shit starts slipping and I start, I'm like, okay, I got to like reel it in. Am I doing good self-care? 
Am I eating well? Am I feeding? Because that's what goes out the window when you have kids. You're like, I'm like eating chicken fingers and fucking Reese cups like for breakfast because I'm too tired to like meal prep and make food. But I think, you know, we have to kind of get to this place where it's not so like judgmental of like, it looks different for everyone. And you can, you, you know, you could plan all you want. Like I thought I was going to have a C-section. My daughter's birth was not what I wanted. I was so disappointed after I gave birth to her because I wanted to have a natural birth and I just, my water broke. I was zero centimeters dilated and they gave me Pitocin. I'm like, I don't want an epidural. I want to do this naturally. 12 hours later, I was zero centimeters dilated. And I'm like, yep, getting the epidural. And then it was fine. But letting go, like, it's like one of the biggest things is like motherhood. When you say that, you know, that was the hardest thing about, you know, becoming a mom for me, it was just like the letting go of like, like kind of the same, like, what is this supposed to look like? What I thought this was going to look like letting go of how it actually is, because it's not like, I'm not the mom that's out having lunch with all my kids. Cause I can't fucking do it. I can't. I see that and I'm like, how on earth, maybe you're, maybe you don't care if your kid's throwing food across the restaurant, but I do. So like, I can't cage all these little beasts. So I just don't go. Yeah, I know. I'll go when they're like 10 and can carry their own shit. It's true. You want everything to go a certain way. You want to control it. And I knew like, obviously my life was out of my control. Like the first few months I was like trying to cope with that. And I had a full-time job and I said, and I kept on thinking to myself, okay, I'll be, I'll be back at work within the next three months. And of course, two and a half years later, I'm still struggling to focus at work full time. It doesn't get better. (laughs) There I am scaring you. No, it's just hard. Like I, even the shift. So my nanny sometimes comes like yesterday, she was here and I have the kids and now I'm still working from home, which is like impossible because everyone comes in and annoys the fuck out of me. Like mom, mom, mom. And then you can't help. I come down, I hear my kid crying. I come downstairs because it's my mom instinct. But she comes at, she came at 745. I get up with the kids. I get them dressed, change everything to even shift from like that mom mode into work mom, like into work. It's like the transitions are hard. And then to shift back into like mom at like 345 when like the, like, that's what I find difficult is like, it's, and that's not going to get easier. It's not going to get easier to go from working during the day to soccer practice or to swimming yeah. or to dance or whatever my kids get into. And, and that's like what I guess, even now as I evolve into like, I have toddlers and I have this and it's like everything with your, you have twins. Everything you do with them is the first time you've done it. Everything with my, my daughter is the first time I'm doing it as a parent. And for me, that's what I'm kind of leaning into is like, I don't know that this ever feels it. I mean, there's ebbs and flows. So like, sometimes I feel like I'm killing it as a pit mom. And sometimes I feel like I, I'm like, I haven't looked in the mirror in four days. Um, you know, my hair is disgusting. I'm like spraying shit in it again to make it look like, you know, nice, but I don't think we ever get there. Like it's, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. Like we're not like getting anywhere, even when they go to college or, leave the house it's it's just it's you worry in a different way I think yeah no I definitely I think that's what I had to come to terms with the first year I was like kind of like okay my life is never going to be the same I think I don't know why I just thought it would be like okay I'm going to give birth and these kids are going to be well behaved and then therefore that's it I'll be like and I was like kind of like what was I thinking am I retarded or what but (laughs) the most difficult thing for me 
having kids at the age of 41 is that I don't recover very well from lack of sleep like I used to 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So I think that was the one thing that I did when they were four months old. I decided I have to sleep train them. So right. I did. Right. But I had to do the cry out, the crying, crying out method. Right. right. Is that the... Cry it out. Is. Yeah. It took me three weeks. And those were so stressful, those three weeks. I was like not sleeping at night because you know that whole thought? And I'm like thinking, I hope they don't wake up in the middle of the night crying because I can't go in if they're crying. No, it was so, so stressful. But do you advocate the, in your full feedings? Do you advocate the crying out? Uh, crying out? I don't. So for me, and there's like a couple of reasons I don't, um, I, I will support moms if they choose to do that. Like, but it's a very personal decision. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it necessarily as long as baby's needs are met. So like for me, I'm very much like we have to meet baby's needs to stop feeding them at night. So I don't cry it out to me. I think it just depends on the, the situation, the family, whatever. Um, I think that it's very easy to get a baby to sleep without doing that. Like I think you can, and, and, and a large part of why I didn't like it. I, and trust me, I thought when I had my daughter, I'm like, I'm locking this bee in her room. She's going to cry and we'll just, I'll be fine. I'll be fine with it. And then she came and I was like, I am not equipped to listen to this. And part of it was what kind of what we were saying about the postpartum period. I feel like for a woman who has, even if you, I mean, honestly, I don't have a extensive, you know, experience with people that didn't carry their own children. But like, even then I feel like something happens to you in that postpartum period that the crying, it, what it did to me internally was not good. It was like a hundred times worse than like nails on a chalkboard. Like I couldn't even, I could sit, I'd be holding the monitor, the thing, any type of crying, fussing, it, it did something to me that was not a good thing. And it's really, I just couldn't do it. I'm a big proponent of like help them get into a age appropriate routine so that they are able to even like put themselves to sleep. Like so many parents are like the daytime is a mess. And I'm like, he, baby's overly tired. They're not going to be able to, they're going to cry for like longer than you want to listen to. Um, how I would do it if I was like advising a parent on like allowing a baby to cry is the way that I did it with one of my own children, which was that like, I knew all of his needs were met. He was eating plenty. He was sleeping normal during the day. And then he just couldn't bridge that gap between like, he was waking at 4am, his brother was sleeping. And so I just, it was three, it's three nights. It's like, he was 11 weeks old and I, he would wake and I had stopped feeding him for like a couple days, which is a big thing. Once you take the food away, they usually stop. If their needs are met, they stop waking and Tommy just was not getting it. So I just decided, I was like, I'm going to let you cry up to 30 minutes. I checked, like he woke up, I checked them. And then the first night it was like 29 minutes. Then it's like 10. And then the next night was like two minutes. And then he never woke up at the, in the night again. See, I, I was like, like you, I was so stressed, but I started it off for nap time. I didn't do it at night okay. because I read this book. Um, I don't know if you know it called good sleeper. Janet, I haven't. I'm gonna write it down. Janet Kennedy, yeah. Because when when my daughter would cry, it would be gut wrenching. So I was like, no, I don't know if I can do that at night. 
Yeah. She said the best time to do it is during nap time because you know that they have to wake up at a certain time. You need to wake them up after a certain time. They're not going to be napping all day long, right? So what I did was I put her to bed the time that she was to nap. And of course, I knew she was going to cry. She cried for 45 minutes and then she slept for 30 minutes. Okay. And the whole time I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and the next day was like 20 minutes. The day after yeah. that was like 10 minutes. But it took three weeks for them. They kind of both went back and forth. When she would cry, he wouldn't. When he would cry, she wouldn't cry. And it just got progressively less and less. Like at night, they'd wake up at four in the morning, cry for like a couple of minutes, and then go back to sleep. Okay. So, but for them to completely not cry at all and no issues took three weeks. Do the mothers that that you uh, help out, do they understand the value of optimal sleep for babies? Because in Egypt... When I did it, everybody was kind of like, why would you do that to a child? Like they were, they thought I was crazy. I feel like people don't understand it really. And it's so like, I go, I'll get moms. And one of the first things I do is I'm like, can you send me like what you're doing? And 99.9% of the time babies staying awake too long. And when, and, and there's not a ton of information out there because like, there are other methods out there that give very, they give ranges. So what I've done with my program is kind of like, hone in on like, this is really the medium. Like this is the average of what, and there are outliers and my monthly guides like that I've created have like a range for optimal wake time, but then it suggests one. So it's like, try this. This is 99% of the time should work. And a lot of moms will be like, at first they're like, my baby is never going to go to sleep at that time. Cause it's often a lot less than what they've been doing. But what typically happens is when baby stays awake too long, they just become overly tired and they're like, they turn into the exorcist. It's hard to put them to sleep. Naps are short. So pulling it back and kind of helping them to sleep at that time. Cause sometimes, you know, and our parents' generation is even worse with like paying attention to, I mean, they'll all swear that their kids slept through the night at like two weeks old. That's what my mom used to say. I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. John slept through the night at two weeks old. Oh, okay. 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 But, you know, that's why I created this program too, because I would go on the internet and get so lost in the wormhole of like shit that I'm like, I don't even know what I'm reading anymore. And I don't know who to trust. There's so much different information out there and there's so much information and it's so conflicting. So it's very difficult to figure it out. Yeah. It's like kind of, that's really what my goal with full feedings has been is to like streamline like a middle of the road approach that like my method is structured in a way that you can start it at any age. You don't have to like, I mean, up to like 18 months, you know, it's, and it doesn't mean there aren't babies that can stay awake longer and sleep through the night. Like there are obviously are always outliers, but for the most part, my, sometimes I even like toot my own horn. Cause I'm like, damn girl. <laughs> You really nailed that. Like some of these moms are like, it was exactly that time. I'm like, I know, I know, (laughs) you know, but it's like (laughs) patting myself on the back. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, just to give moms like a guide to, um, to follow. It's like an, an outline of like, where do I even start at this point? And then I help them kind of tweak it based on their babies, you know, cause babies are so, everyone has a different health issue and this and different circumstances and different living arrangements. Like so many people are like, I sleep in, we all sleep in the same room. It's like, you can still get sleep um, really with a wide variety of different, you know, circumstances. So you help uh, mothers with kids from birth to 18 months, right? 
Yeah, I do. I, I'll do private consultations. To be honest, I'm like, if your kid is over the age of two and not sleeping, like, you need Jesus. You don't need me. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're going to have to wait this out because it's, they do get to an age where it becomes more difficult to implement strategies that work. Uh, so how do you do it with parents? Because I know it, it obviously, the, the nap and the sleeping time evolves pretty quickly. The minute you're like in a routine, you're like, oh my God, I've got this great. And then you're like, all of a sudden they're waking up in the middle of the night. I have parents that literally like cancel their membership and then they like resubscribe. Cause I'm like, I'm telling you, like you need guidance. Like, cha- like by the time you get into it, like you're changing again. And because it increases, basically it's like a sliding scale. So like you go from birth and like, let's say this is like, they're sleeping a ton. And then it's just like, it starts to go like that. They need, they can stay awake longer and that they need less naps. And it basically just goes like this, that you have to constantly maintain the like transitional changes where you're lessening daytime sleep, whether that's keeping them awake a little bit longer or lessening the amount of time you're letting them nap during the day. As long as you kind of maintain on that scale, like they, they'll sleep through the night. You don't see regressions. You don't see all that stuff. But what happens is, is you get into this thing and you're like, oh, baby's taking a two hour nap, which like, trust me, heaven, totally mm-hmm. heaven. The kid people that say they have three hour nappers, they're not sleeping at night. They're not sleeping 12 hours at night. They're lying. They're lying to you. And you can find me a unicorn. I'm sure there's one that does it. But like the majority of kids, if your kid's taking a three hour nap during the day below the age of 18 months, there's no way that they're sleeping through the night because they just don't need that much sleep. Like I I always look at like total sleep in a 24 hour period. It's no different than you or I. Like I know if I get a good night's sleep where I sleep 10 hours, sometimes I take NyQuil. This is so bad to say, but sometimes I take, when my kids aren't here, when they're with their dad, I take NyQuil, I sleep fucking 10 hours because I'm tired. And then the next night, you're not as tired. And it's the same thing with babies. If they get too much sleep, they're like, let's party. But I find it's difficult because I keep on trying to adjust it. Like now recently, I've been putting them to bed a little bit earlier for their naps than I used to. Uh, before with daycare, I have there's certain times, so I would put them to to for a nap after daycare. But now it's like there's no there's nothing to do all day long, so I put them a little bit earlier, and they do nap. Nina, my daughter, naps I think 45 minutes. He naps usually an hour and 15 minutes, but I wake them up. I don't yeah, let them sleep <laughs> because before I I did I was like my mother looks at me like I'm like this evil person. She's like, oh my god, you never wake it. You never wake. Well, that's just baby. like the stupidest adage. I'm like, that's not even true. Like you have to wake them to be honest. I mean, people get crazy, but I'm like, listen, you can wake them during the day or they're going to wake you at night. Like that's exactly. your choice. And so you pick and I'm going to pick that I'm going to wake them during the day and limit their daytime sleep so that I get 12 hours of sleep at night. It changes. Like my, my daughter, she's, done like she's everything's out of her room at 7 30 so she has time sometimes she takes a little bit of time to unwind herself um she's four and a half and then she wakes up any like she only sleeps about 11 hours at night it does start to kind of dry and she doesn't nap anymore which is awful what what does the routine look like now during COVID. I mean, it's hard. It's like hard to get them. Now it's getting very hot here. It's very humid. So like getting my daughter was outside yesterday you can't really make a plan of like, you know, in the school year now I'm like, okay, they're not going to go to school. I'm going to try to facilitate this at home with the nanny. 
um, because I don't know what school's going to look like. But you know, the weather changes and every day is different and I'm not going to send my kid out if it's pouring down rain. And, um, you know, we just kind of have our routine. Like for me now with my kids, like my daughter's usually up first, my sons will wake up. I don't get them till a certain time. So like they can talk with one another but we, everyone has milk and then we just kind of get up and have breakfast. But with multiple kids, like I, it's one of those things that like, I really wish I could tell you that they ate every meal at the table, but they don't like, sometimes they eat in front of the TV and sometimes they eat, like we call it like roving lunch. I'm like, basically everyone's just walking around with food and that's just how it has to look some days. And to me, you know, the overall structure is there. Like they know everyone I've had routines in place since my kids were little, but like, some days like it does look different some days I need to just like I can't I can't some days I feel overwhelmed by like making lunch for everyone so I'm like here's a pouch you guys all get pouches here's a yogurt here's some cheese here's some fruit and they just kind of eat their lunch that way and it has to be okay like I like routine as opposed to schedule because if I get and part of this stems from like I grew up with alcoholic parents. So I'm a little bit of a control freak. Like I developed these mechanisms to like try and control everything. If I'm too rigid, I get like obsessed. So I need a little bit more flexibility of like, you know what, today it's okay that like, you know, we're not getting up and doing the exact same thing we did yesterday. Every day I'm like, today I will read to them at bedtime for 30 minutes before they go to bed. And every night without fail in the past month, I'm like, yeah, fuck it turn on TV, watch Frozen, watch whatever you want to watch. Yeah. And it's like, that's the stuff that like, as long as you're doing stuff, like even moms with like little babies, I'm all for education and I'm all for kids reading. But like, to be honest, it is a waste of fucking time to read your child a book every night under the age of one year. I'm sorry. I said it. I'm just going to put it out there. I think it puts an unfair pressure on parents you talk to your child all day long. They're hearing language. They're hearing the stuff they need to hear. You're talking to other grownups to throw in, like, if you have time to do it, great. But like, I get these parents that have like routines like that. I'm like, my bedtime routine with my daughter, like our time together is when she's in the bath. We talk, we talk about the day. I, I streamline it because I can't do that and then get my sons bathed and then get everyone to bed and they get stories some nights they get a story some nights she does they don't brush their teeth every night sorry I'm just gonna fucking <laughs> like it's just what it is like and we have to get away like I try but like we have to get away from this narrative of like I don't feel bad about that I really don't I just do my best and let go of like these expectations that like are either imposed by people on social media because I do it I see all these families together and they look so happy and I'm like that's just, yeah, everybody looks like they have like the most brilliant children that read, that sleep all night long. My daughter is best friend and I, I do this and I'm sure like she sent her something in the mail from school and she like wrote her fucking name. It's like in her handwriting and I'm like, uh, mom fail. Like, and the girl's like a little bit younger and you start to get in your head. You're yeah. like, oh my God, I'm failing. And I don't know, maybe her mom helped her. Like I maybe you know what I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't been able, my daughter's not really interested in tracing letters yet. She's not. So I'm not going to force that upon her, you know, and stress myself out. But it's like that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm just, I try to like, just take it one day at a time and like do my best. And, you know, kids develop, they're all different. Like we're saying, like 
it's, and with twins, I think it's been helpful for me to see because I'm like, they're completely different. So like, they're going to have different strengths and different weaknesses. And that kind of is indicative of like children at, you know, that age. I was kind of, kind of asking like about postpartum, how long, cause you said you, t- you, you gained like 60 pounds when you were pregnant with your twins. And I was only 32 weeks pregnant. And I was like, cause I don't get how women don't eat during, I was starving. If I didn't, if I had not ate, eaten like during pregnancy, like I had friends be like, Oh, I skipped breakfast. Like, and, and my best friend like literally had twins and she gained like 20 pounds. And I'm like, okay, I'm just like, not that woman. Like I was shoving bagels in my mouth every, like I would have like two, I don't know how you are with your twin pregnancy. I was starving. I was hungry, but, but it took, I, I delivered it 37 weeks. I gained probably 55 pounds, I think quite a bit, but, but I was like the last three months I had like heartburn all the time. I could, I, I wanted to eat, but I didn't eat as much because I just had so much heartburn every time I ate. It was awful. Yeah. I was one of those moms that was like, the minute I found out I was pregnant, I started gaining weight and it was awful. My first pregnancy, I was super stressed about it with my daughter. Like I would get on the scale and be like, I'd go to the doctor and be like, if I gain four more fucking pounds, like, like I just, it was, it felt like it was so fast and like coming from like a modeling, like, I don't really care. Cause like I lost it all. But when you have your first kid, you don't know that, like, you don't know that you're going to like, and it's so hard to like gain all that weight. You have zero control over it. I was super nauseous with my daughter. If I didn't eat, I would get like so nauseous. I was nauseous with my sons too. But I think some women are just like more inclined to do that, um, to gain more. And then like afterwards, like what I did with both of my pregnancies was gave myself permission to like basically eat whatever the fuck I wanted for a month. I wasn't going back to the gym when I had six week olds. Like I would try, but like it was really food for me and it's always food. Like just making sure I'm eating very clean. I'm not eating sugar. I'm not eating salt. I'm trying to like, I eat predominantly like a paleo diet diet basically. And then I tweak some of my foods um, for like my blood type, like my fruits and vegetables, I tweak based on like my blood type, which I found like a lot of success doing. Um, but I was really like, lose the weight, lose the weight. But you know, a friend of mine, my, my trainer that I trained with forever in New York City, he used to say to me with women, like six months, it takes six months to really start to feel like not having that like baby, like extra. I mean, it doesn't mean you've lost all the baby weight, but he's like, a, you need to, you're never going to lose the weight until you get sleep. Like that was a big thing too, which I try to not talk about. I probably should talk about it more on full feedings, but I don't want people to feel like I'm like selling them sleep. But I remember him being like, until you're sleeping, your body's just not going to be like, your metabolism's not going to be working the way that it normally would. I, people don't talk about that either. Like the weight gain for me was like really difficult. It's so many things. You're juggling being a new mother. And then now you have to like, you want to feel normal again. So you want to lose all the weight, but it's so difficult. I think I'm fatter now than I was last year. I'm more postpartum now than I was last year. I'm thinking, how is that happening? I find that like, so I've been pre-making cause like during COVID, like I definitely was like in shape. Cause I also obviously model and like do all that. So it's a lot of it 
if I didn't have that, I'm not sure how motivated I would be to like get back in shape. But like, I had to like, after my daughter, I had done a TV show and like, we were going to series. And so I was pregnant with my daughter when I filmed the pilot. And then I was like, I have to, I have to get back in shape like very quickly. So I definitely had more motivation to like get back in shape, which I do find helpful. But I think that, um, it's, it's hard. Like it's, you, you want to do it. I pre-make, I've been doing, so like during COVID I had the worst. I all of a sudden I'm like, why am I eating sugar? I'm like, just felt like shit. I wasn't, I was sleeping at night, but I wasn't waking up and feeling like refreshed. I wasn't feeling like glowy and it's food. It was food for me. I was just shoving garbage in my mouth. And so I now pre-make like both this morning, it's like, I pre-made like steak I and sweet potatoes and then like I'll do broccoli and stuff like that so that it's in the fridge and it's easy and I don't really have an excuse to like not eat a healthy meal um and it kind of gives me the fuel for like it's it's everything I mean you know when you don't eat well it's like you feel lethargic if you don't sleep well your brain doesn't work as well you don't I'm not as productive when I'm not eating well so like that's been super helpful I think in motherhood because and I don't I try not to eat my kids food I know I feel so I feel so bad sometimes I'm like, oh no, we can't throw away these leftovers. So I used to eat them. And I was like, shit, this is not good. And then I found myself gaining weight. So Yeah. But I find that food is like 90%, 80% of it. I just wanted to ask you a few more questions. Just a couple like easy wrap it up. Uh, like I wanted to ask you, um, what is your favorite thing about motherhood? My favorite thing about motherhood is getting to experience life through their eyes. So watching my daughter, you know, pick weeds out of my yard and think that they're beautiful flowers or watching my sons like pop, blow bubbles and like pop them like that to me, because as children, we had those experiences too, but we don't remember them. And to be able to experience that through them or just their innocence is like so beautiful to me and the way that they don't like, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff going around about race and racism in the US and the world. And my daughter just got this, like, she went to the dentist. She hates the dentist. So of course I was like, I will get you a toy from Target. If you go to the dentist, just need your teeth cleaned. And we went and she bought this baby set. And inside the baby set, there's a white baby and there's a black baby. They're little babies. And she asked me, um, we were like getting ready for bed the one night. And this is like where we, where we identify these things. She said something about she needed her other baby. And I said, the black one, because she had the white one. And I said it. I said, the black baby. She said, no, the girl baby. And it was just so interesting to me that like they don't see that. Yeah. And that innocence to me is like, we need to all kind of get back to that. Like, and I was like, why did you say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, think funny. this is how we need to change. My brain doesn't think that way. It's just, and I have to work to change it. I have to be better and change the way I'm kind of seeing these things. It's not white and black or this, that. It was a, a girl baby and a boy baby. My, like, and my four and a half year old's teaching me that. And I love that. Okay. What's the worst thing about motherhood? be diverse now I'm kidding um just losing I feel like we're reborn the worst thing about motherhood I would say we're reborn in a way like you're born into this new role but like you also die in a way like it's not a horrible thing because I like have these there's so many great things about motherhood but I would just say you do you lose 
a little bit of yourself. And then I feel like you have this process of like finding yourself again, which is a new self. It's a different self. So that's been out of a negative, I guess has come a positive, but just not being able to like do, I mean, getting divorced. So I kind of have the best of both now. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can do what I want in my days. I don't have the kids and plan, but, um, just like never going to the bathroom by yourself is like, yep. I hear you, but it's cute. I'm like, I don't mind. If you'd like to know more about Anne's work, you can check out fullfeedings.com and you can also find her on Instagram. You'll find the links in the show notes for this episode. Thank you for joining us for Mommy's Happy Hour. I'm your host, Hiba Shanbo, and this podcast is produced by Chirak Desai. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell me about it. Drop me a message on Instagram, and you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and IMDb. I'll be back in two weeks. See you then.